I'd like to share a portion of an email with you um, that I received not long ago, in fact, about a month ago from a dear friend. Some of you will know this person by name, and I have her permission to share her name with you, and it is Janine Plum. Some of you know Janine. As I share this with you, you will hear her voice. The context of the email conversation related to the fact that we, the Johnson family, we were missing the plums, Pete and Janine, and Janine said they were missing us too. And Janine writes this to me. She says, I think what happens is you leave the bubble with all those folks who love Jesus, help you to love Jesus, and then you land back in reality. For um, Janine's circumstances, that she's a recent graduate of Asbury Seminary and is now serving churches in Michigan. So she has recently left. Think what happens is you leave that bubble with all those folks who love Jesus. They help you to love Jesus, and then you land back in reality. You land back in the church with people who don't know Jesus is serious about discipleship. Instead, they major in the minors. You go from hearing the best of the best preach the gospel three days a week to being the one to preach the gospel week after week. You go from intentional community to being set apart from your people. You go. And so I have been thinking about this email ever since, and it has struck a chord with me. In fact, it struck an ironic chord in one very real sense. Eleven months ago, I stood in this same place and I proclaimed from this pulpit a message to seminary students that we mustn't hurry through seminary, that we mustn't rush on to our next appointment and fail to properly gather all that God has for us here and now. It's like we're all living on our way onto somewhere else. Let's let this process unfold while we're here. And that was the message I preached. Today I'm preaching sort of the opposite message. Maybe we need to get out of the bubble. Maybe we need to move on. Maybe God is calling us away from our comfort and our safety here to a hard place. And in so saying, am I talking to two different kinds of people? Those who want to stay here and hunker down and be safe, or those who want to go, go, go? Um, the answer to that question may be yes. There may be two types of people here. But if you're anything like me, both of these things are going on at the same time in my life. There is a war within me of discontentment. Now, as you heard Sarah read this passage, and you look at the title of this message, which is Prophets Without Honor, you'll see what would appear to be a typo. Instead of reading Mark 5, 1 to 20, you'll say, well, Brad, we should actually be reading Mark 6, 1 to 20, because that, in fact, is the passage where we hear Jesus talk about prophets without honor. Beginning at chapter 6 of Mark's Gospel, verse 1, Jesus went from there, and his disciples followed, and on the Sabbath he began teaching, and everybody said, where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom given to him? What mighty works are wrought by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. 
And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And Mark reports that Jesus could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands upon a few sick, sick people and healed them. And Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. Sarah didn't read the wrong passage. She read exactly the right passage. Because chapter 5 establishes a trajectory. In fact, it serves as a catalyst for what's about to happen in chapter 6. In chapter 5, Jesus leaves where he is and he goes to a place without explanation. He accomplishes one task. He heals this man called Legion. And then he goes right back to where he was. This is like sort of a little time in exile. Maybe it's a detour. Maybe it's a military incursion. I don't know what it is. But Jesus goes in, he accomplishes his task, and he comes back out. And then we go on to see that once, once he returns to where he started from, Jesus heals Jairus' daughter, and he heals a woman with a hemorrhage. Mighty works both. And then we jump into chapter 6, where Jesus says, a prophet is without honor only in his home context. And then Jesus prepares his disciples to go out and to spread the message. He's preparing them. And then right on the heels of that, we learn about the beheading of John the Baptist. Certainly one of the prophets without honor par excellence. So Jesus is really talking about a much bigger concept over a much larger swath of scriptural real estate here. <clears throat> and what strikes me is how similar the passage in chapter 6 is to the passage in chapter 5 that Sarah read. I would like to say that after the man who had been healed of his legion of demons, I'd like to say that after he was healed, he went back home and everybody said, oh, we're so glad you're here. Tell us what happened. We're excited to receive this news. But I don't think that's what happened at all. And I think this man suspected that the Lord was sending him to a hard place. Because the man wanted to go with Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? But Jesus says, go home. My call on your life is to go home and tell folks what has happened. And it says at the very end of that passage in verse 20, and those people marveled. We read that, we might think, well, that's good. They received him. They were excited. Wow, this is amazing. I don't think so. And my concern about reading that, that text and particularly that word in such a way is that the same word that's translated marveled in Mark chapter 5, verse 20 is the same word that's translated marvel in chapter 6 when Jesus marveled at their unbelief. This is more like perplexed. When the man came home healed of the legion of demons, he came home perplexed. Or people received him in a perplexed way. They didn't get it. And it made them uncomfortable. This wasn't the man they had known. Their normalcy was disrupted. And as a result, they rejected his message in all likelihood. 
And I think about us here in a seminary context. Many of us have moved here and left significant jobs, family, friends, various degrees of wealth. And we've made great commitments to be here. But we can't stay here forever, as hard as I try. <laughs> Been here 15 years now. Um, you know, we, we, we aren't necessarily called to stay here, although some are. You know, we're called to go. We're called to go to hard places. We're called to go to hard places. I mean, isn't that the point? Are we called to go take care of the righteous, of the well, of the whole? Are those the people that need our help? No, it's the people who don't want to hear our message that most need to hear our message. And the most difficult place I have ever found to be in the mission field is 105 Olivia Court, Wilmore, Kentucky. That's my roof. That's a tough spot because they know my past. They know my present. And they're gracious anyway. But I hear in my friend Janine's words a sentiment that resonates with my own. On one hand, as a conflicted soul, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Lord, how long? How long, O oh Lord, must we tarry in this liminal stage we call seminary? How long, O oh Lord? On the other hand, I think, Lord, don't send me there. Don't send me there. You know, that's too hard of a place. I, I don't want to go there. But isn't that the point? I don't know that it's ever going to necessarily be fun, but it could certainly be right. I really think about this man in this passage of Mark chapter 5 a lot. Unlike the leper who was cleansed of his leprosy in Mark chapter 1, whom Jesus said, go home, but don't tell anybody what happened to you. It's a little bit of a mystery as to why Jesus would say that to that man. But in this case, with Legion, Jesus says, go home and tell everybody. And for some of us, the call is to go home, to go back to the place that sent us. And some of those places are hard places. And being in the United Methodist tradition, I know some of my dear friends go to annual conferences that are hard places. And it's heavy lifting. I've got so much more that I'd like to say over the next 40 minutes. But I'm actually going to close with this. Janine says, you go from hearing the best of the best preach the gospel three days a week to being the one to preach the gospel week after week. You go from intentional community to being set apart from your people. You go, dot, dot, dot. Then she says this, and then you remember, and then you remember how good God is to have given you the opportunity to be there and you thank Him profusely. Those of you who are here regularly understand the nature of being called to a seminary experience. 
But for those of you who are called to do your seminary from a distance, who are here maybe just for this week, or maybe listening by means of whatever technology makes this available, wherever you are in the country or in the world, if God has called you to that place, go. Go, go, go. And don't hesitate to fully embrace the gospel that has saved you, the gospel that has liberated you from the bondages of sin and death. And proclaim that message with reckless abandon. Go. Go remembering how good God is to have given you the opportunity to be here and then thank Him profusely.